It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. podcast here at fantasypoints.com. My name is Joe Dolan and we've made our way through six of the eight divisions in the NFL in our franchise focused podcast series. Only eight podcasts left to go. I can't believe it. Uh, it's been a grind. It's been um, challenging. It's been a lot of fun, most of all. And while we're going to get to the NFC South here in just a little bit, if you're listening to this podcast, whether it's July 19th up into the 23rd, go to data.fantasypoints.com for our data suite free preview. You can access it without a login. We believe this is going to be a tool that is going to absolutely revolutionize the fantasy football industry, and we're really just getting it off the ground floor now. We have so much more planned, and we're really excited to show it to you. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have any interest in NFL statistics, uh, high-level DFS research, high-level betting research, or really you're just an NFL nerd and want to know who the best quarterback in home games in 15-mile-an-hour wins was... In terms of yards per attempt, you can do that with the Fantasy Points Data Suite. So I really encourage you to check that out. And if you're listening to this after July 23rd, you can sign up for the Data Suite and get a free seven-day trial. So we're giving everybody the opportunity to look at the Data Suite and say, you know what, this is for me. I really want to be in on this. And also give you an opportunity to say, you know what, maybe maybe this is just a little too in-depth for me, but you can check it out for free. And if you do decide to purchase the Data Suite package, well, it's $50 for 2023, down from what we expect to be the regular price going forward of $200. So it's 75% off. It's going to be updated weekly with our native charted stats. Um, I, I'm really excited to show everybody the Fantasy Points Data Suite, and I really hope you check it out. But if you're here, you're listening, you're listening for some NFC South franchise focus information, and I'm pleased to give that to you right now. Special guest today on the Franchise Focus Podcast, and I know I've said that for all of my guests, but this one is especially special. <laughs> He's making his second consecutive appearance on the Franchise Focus Podcast, uh, joining me last year. His name is Ross Jackson. He is the host of Locked On Saints and a reporter for Saints News of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. That's how you know he's serious. If he's got Nola in his name, you know you go there for Saints News. Ross, welcome to the program. It's good to have you. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, there's a couple of us there's uh, that have Nola in the the Twitter you know handle, and when we see each other, it's like you know what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like. We know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you having me back, dude. Glad to be it's, here with you. Well, like, honestly, might might have to hunker down. I've been trying to keep these podcasts usually under 25 minutes, but there is a lot to talk about with the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> there really is. And let's just start it right now. I'm glad that we pushed the Saints. Um, the NFC South is, is one of the last two divisions I'm covering. Mm-hmm. And it benefited us with the Saints discussion because we've gotten the update on the Alvin Kamara legal situation. Um, felony charges being dropped in the in the assault case from the Pro Bowl a couple years ago. What is your read on the Kamara situation? Do you still anticipate there's going to be league discipline? It does look like the path is clear for the league to now do its own little investigation. Absolutely. And and I do think that there is still a reason to expect a multi-game suspension when it comes to Alvin Kamara. But I have to say... 
the drop in the Las Vegas criminal charge from a misdemeanor, excuse me, from a felony to a misdemeanor will likely play a role. I know that there's video. I know that this happened during an NFL sanctioned event over the course of the weekend of the Pro Bowl back in 2022. But I do think that the fact that this got dropped the way that it did is going to have an impact on the suspension length. So as opposed to the previous estimation that I had, which was at least six games, just looking at the NFL's code of conduct policy, I think now there might be a chance that this ranges from two to six games and potentially gets reduced with an appeal. So I think that that's maybe what you're expecting with Alvin Kamara not being, you know, the guy that you draft as highly as you would draft would have drafted him back in 2018, 2019. There's still good reason, I think, to invest in him, especially now, considering that he'll probably miss fewer games. He's going to have a lot of familiar opponents towards the back end of his schedule with a very heavy NFC schedule after like week nine. So, obviously, we have to to talk about the big change. Normally, every time on these podcasts, normally when a team has a starting quarterback change, that's the first thing I ask about. But Mm -hmm. the Camaro thing was more pressing. Derek Carr is coming in. Um, And I think we know what Derek Carr is at this stage of his career. I think he's – you know what I view Derek Carr as, Ross? And I know you've looked at the tape and you've looked at the numbers. I kind of view him as a between-the-20s kind of quarterback. Yeah. That's where he's been really good in his career. Then he gets into the red zone and – the bad decisions, you know, settling for field goals. You know, Carlson up uh, out there in Vegas, great for fantasy because the Raiders never scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but they but they stalled out in the red zone. What is your view on Carr? Do you view him as a significant upgrade over what Andy Dalton was giving them last year? Uh, do you view him as a significant upgrade over maybe what Jameis Winston was giving them a couple years ago? Um, it's a really interesting situation with Derek Carr coming to town. What's your read on it all? Yeah, I I agree with your evaluation. I think it's one of the reasons why the Saints have loaded up on so many red zone options because now they have guys like Jamal Williams, Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill, who they could all turn to in the red zone without having to risk a little bit of that. I think that Derek Carr is a significant upgrade over Jameis Winston in that he's the style of quarterback the New Orleans Saints have built their offense for. So he's a little bit of a better fit as opposed to trying to kind of shoehorn a quarterback into the system or change the system for the quarterback. It also helps that he's healthy and and will be on the field. Uh, He's a better quarterback than I think he's a significant quarterback or significant upgrade, excuse me, at quarterback over Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton also failed to move the ball within the twenties or excuse me, in the red zone, but then also failed to be able to move the ball between the twenties as well. So I think you at least get to now move the ball and extend some drives with Derek Carr. So I do think that he's a significant upgrade over the options that they have had post drew Brees, but I do think that they found maybe a little bit of a way to mitigate the red zone struggles that we've seen historically throughout Derek Carr's career. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, Taysom Hill become like really like they're, they're inside the 10 quarterback. I mean, like it, so you would anticipate the Taysom role, not only is it not going anywhere, it might get bigger. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that, you know, uh, Taysom as well as De- uh, Dennis Allen, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, has told us is that they want his role to expand. One of the ways that you can a- expect his role to expand is going to be in the passing game, sort of getting some more of those. You know, he'll finally wear the tight end designation and actually catch passes as opposed to last mm. year where he consistently finished as like a top five, top three tight end because of what he was doing at quarterback. But I don't think the quarterback stuff is going to go anywhere either. And I think utilizing him more 
in the short yardage situations, third and one, second and one situational stuff like that, but then also utilizing him more in the red zone are going to become other ways to expand his role. So yeah, I do think that he still becomes a guy, even with Foster Moreau in town, even with some of these other guys that they have added over to the offense that will still get his opportunities for, you know, pay dirt, especially uh, in the red zone and should still be a focal point within the tent. So the receiving group is obviously what's going to be the next important thing for, for Derek mm-hmm. Carr. Um, Michael Thomas, like from my mind, I know Saints fans certainly think about Michael Thomas a lot more than I do at this stage. I've kind of just said, you know, if it happens, it happens. Mm -hmm. Do you have more expectations than that? Uh, It's tough to, I mean, this is a guy that's played 10 games over the course of the past three seasons. So it's not really a question of, will he be ready to start the season? It's how long will you have him throughout the season? And the best case scenario is that you draft him where he's currently landing in terms of ADP and things like that, which is pretty low. And you might get, you know, a, a number one, you know, 17 game guy out of nowhere, or maybe you get seven really good games, five really good games. So we just don't know what that's going to be. And so I think that it's a lot of wait and see when it comes to Michael Thomas. And so maybe not somebody that you reach for, maybe somebody you let fall in the lap a little bit late, or if he's there even later than projected or something like that, grab him, see what you can get from him. But I wouldn't go in with a full expectation of what you're going to get from Michael Thomas outside of when he's available, he'll be a focal point of the offense. There's no doubt about that. The question, though, is how many games will he be available? Uh, Chris Olave had a great rookie year. I mean, I think it was a toss-up whether he or his former college teammate was going to win rookie of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson, that being who I knew, eventually won the award. What did you see from Chris Olave's game as a rookie? What do you think he he needs to work on to take the next step? Yeah, look, I think Chris Olave is the guy here in New Orleans sure. when it comes to the wide receiver group. Him and uh, Derek Carr, from the first day we were out there at OTAs, that chemistry, that connection is already beginning to build. I think the thing that makes Chris Olave so special is his ability to be able to win before the catch. He's a precision route runner. He sells leverage, understands how to match up with cornerbacks in coverage, understands how to work to the green areas of the field in improv situations, whether you know a quarterback has to scramble or whether you know uh, a safety's got too much depth he, he'll bend the route to take advantage of that he just sees the field so incredibly well and he and Derek Carr are just working on seeing the field the same way so that they can make the same reads I think the things that you want to see Chris Olave get better at uh, the thing that he actually has a little bit of control over is going to be contested catch situations he brought on in only 33 percent of those on about 24 opportunities according to pro football focus last year that's not great uh, but this year he came in he's uh I believe he played last year at 187 in terms of his weight, came into mini camps this year at 192 with the goal of getting up to 195. So he should be able to fight for some more of those passes. We've already seen some of that during mini camp and OTAs actually translate to where he's going up and making plays over defenders and things like that. So I think that'll be big. The other piece is going to be yards after catch. That's maybe one of the places where he and Garrett Wilson have their largest separation between one another. And so I don't know that you're going to be able to create a yards after catch receiver in Chris Olave, but if you're catching him more in rhythm, if your offense is operating more in time, which is something this New Orleans Saints offense did not do last year, then those yards after catch opportunities will be built in for him as opposed to him having to create with the ball in the Saints. You know, uh, Chris Olave had a fantastic rookie season. You know, our guy Ryan Heath at Fantasy Points pointed this out. Since 2008, Chris Olave had the seventh best season by yards per route run for rookie wide receivers at 2.42. He wasn't That's- even first on his own team. Yeah, <laughs> because Rashid Shaheed was above him, That's obviously right. <laughs> with, with far less value. 
but Rashid Shaheed put up 2.59. That 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 reminds me just like the the, the just like always going back to looking at how loaded the Alabama receiving core was a couple of years ago. <laughs> Devontae Smith was the first wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy in 30 years and wasn't even the first receiver drafted from his own team. Right. But, you know, Rashid Shaheed is not the first receiver drafted on the New Orleans Saints. He's not even close to it. Um, he He's a guy who in many home leagues, if you're doing a home league now, is probably going undrafted. He's my most drafted wide receiver in best ball. Um, and I think people look at his statistical profile, the fact that he was a UDFA, and they're like, oh, this was a gadget guy. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. And do the things do the Saints think Rashid Shahid can be more than he was last year? The answer to that is uh, unequivocally yes. Um, yeah. The New Orleans Saints love everything that Rashid Shahid brings. They do not see him as just a gadget guy. That's how he got worked in last year because – Look, he showed up as an undrafted free agent. He was still recovering from uh, uh, you know, a, a, a collegiate injury that he had. And so he didn't really get involved during training camp. And so his, you know, but they kept him on the practice squad. And practice squad was really the only way that he was learning the playbook. And then, you know, he gets his first, you know, opportunity against the Cincinnati Bengals, touches the ball and runs for 40 whatever yards, you know, for a touchdown. Yeah. Next time, 50 plus. Uh, yard touchdown uh, reception this time through the air against the Arizona Cardinals. And so it, it did become a little, it did start off a little gadgety uh, early on, but that's just how you got the new guy that didn't really fully get his opportunity to get folded into the offense, folded into the offense. And then his role grew over the course of the year, his role this year as now having a full understanding of the playbook. One of the things he told me last year was, man, the playbook is thick. I'm trying, like I'm working on learning and I'm getting there this year. You talk to him and he's like, yeah, I got it. I'm good. Yeah. Like I got the playbook. And so I think that will factor in. You could effectively call him the quote unquote number three guy. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to line up in the slot. It's going to line up out wide. They're going to move him around. They will use him on jet sweeps, reverses, things like that. I'm sure screens, everything, but he's going to have more of a traditional wide receiver role nonetheless, because he has developed big time as a route runner. So now he can sell that verticality and be able to benefit off of that in the short and intermediate areas of the field. We saw that a lot throughout minicamp, throughout OTAs. The Saints are already prepping to get him more involved in different areas and at all three levels of the offense. So I, I actually just kind of want to ask a philosophical question here, because mm -hmm. this dates back to the Sean Payton era too, but Mickey Loomis is still there. Why have the Saints had so much success finding like UDFA wide receivers? They have a formula, man. Um, I, I can't get them to tell me what it is. <laughs> I mean, the Patriots but, can't even but, draft a, one in the first round, and the Saints right. get these UDFA guys. I know. It, it, it's wild. And it's just one of those things where like there are just specific benchmarks that they look for. The ones that they've been willing to share with me before or, or with all of media before is that like they, they look for guys that have some production that didn't get drafted. They look for guys that obviously fit the scheme and they look for culture guys that fit the locker room. And that ends up becoming more of the weight than anything else is just like simply who fits, who can join the family here. And they start with that and then they build off of it. And they've done so well with it all the way back to guys like you mentioned the Peyton era, guys like, um, you know, Pierre Thomas and, you know, Marcus, uh, Marcus Colson wasn't uh, he undrafted. Was he was a seventh pick, round pick, yeah. you know, and so like you have to put him in that category too. Lance Moore. Lance Moore is another like yeah. Willie Sneed, who was good for them yep. for a few years. Like they just keep finding these guys and, and, and it hasn't changed um, here, even with the changeover at the at the guard uh, with Dennis Allen coming in. And so, uh, yeah, it's just it, it's it, it's something that they really believe in. And it's something that they really care about because they don't care if you're a first round draft pick or you or a UDFA or you were traded, regardless of how you were acquired by the team. Once you get there, you have a path. And, and there's a path available to you. Now, can you step into it? And they keep finding guys who can.
Yeah. So now the backfield is it is actually not where there's a bunch of UDFAs. They spent some mm-hmm. money to bring in Jamal Williams, spent a high draft pick, and we're going to consider a third round draft pick on a running back high, Kendra yeah. Miller from TCU. Um, what is the backfield shakeout like behind Alvin Kamara, especially with the expectation that there's going to be a few games this year that Kamara will not be available? Yeah, I would expect Jamal Williams to finish the season as the running back with the most carries and the most rushing yards for the New Orleans Saints. So if you're looking for a bell cow back, that's probably the role that he's going to fill as much as a bell cow back is present in the New Orleans Saints offense. The idea then is to build Alvin Kamara as a focal point of the offense while not building him as a focal point of the run game. That means getting him more involved in the passing game, getting him more involved in that short intermediate area, lining him up in the slot, motioning him out wide, doing all the things that made Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara 2017 through through, that, through 2020, where he's running more routes, he's getting more involved in the pass game, he's seeing fewer carries, he's not taking the wear and tear, all of that. And I think the same thing goes for Kendra Miller, the running back that they drafted in the third round out of TCU. He's a guy that they believe can come in and have a receiving role. He's only got 29 receptions to during his collegiate career with TCU, but just because of how they used him doesn't mean that he can't find a path in a new system that allows him to be a little bit more of a pass catcher. And there's actually a lot of tape you can find where you can see, okay, he's got the ability as a pass catcher. He's got breakaway speed. He gets north and south quickly. He's shifty. He's got good contact balance. A lot of the same, and he's very patient. A lot of those are still qualities that Alvin Kamara exudes this day as well. So I think the both of them and maybe even an Eno Benjamin get a little bit more involved in the passing game. But if you're looking for the bell cow, who's going to be the guy to tote the rock for the New Orleans Saints game in and game out, that should be Jamal Williams. And of course, he'll continue to get his red zone opportunities in New Orleans, just like he did in Detroit. Do they think Kendry Miller is somebody who can become like, not that the Saints ever really have a three down back, at least in the post Deuce McAllister era, but mm-hmm. do, they, do they kind of view him as that kind of guy? Yeah, I think they they like what he could pretend what he projects as a scat back. Like that that's the way that they really look at him. So it's not solely third down roles, but just completely based upon game situation, down distance, all those other things. To where they do feel like they can get him involved. They believe that he's a guy that can uh, that they want to develop sort of the the route variety that he has out of the backfield they want to put the ball in his hands let him be that explosive runner that he proved to be over at tcu and they feel like he's a guy that's going to be able to come in and have a a pretty immediate impact you might see you know benjamin a little bit earlier if alvin Kamara is not a part of the you know a part of the equation serving in early games early season suspension because they feel like they don't have to change the playbook at all with you know benjamin who can kind of already do all the things but i don't think it's long before kendra miller who was drafted at just 20 years old develops into that opportunity and probably could be the guy that we're talking about as the future of the position because of how young he is Alvin Kamara Jamal Williams already 29 years old in three years they're 33 in three years uh you know or in four years they're 33 in four years Kendra Miller's barely 24 so I think that that's probably the other thing that you you look at down the road that might be more um kind of more to consider for a fantasy or for a dynasty fantasy player than your everyday fantasy player, but still something to consider. You know, I think Mickey Loomis, um, at least through the draft has a very similar philosophy that, that somebody like Howie Roseman has. Mm -hmm. It starts up front. You look at the offensive line, there's four first round picks and a second round pick on the offensive line, you know, defense, they've never been afraid to trade up, trade down to get defensive linemen from an offensive line perspective. What's your outlook here uh, with Trevor Penning heading into his second year? Yeah, look, if 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 we if we 
accept the notion that Trevor Penning was trending to become the starting left tackle before the season, during the preseason last year, then it would mean that going into the 2022 season, New Orleans Saints never had their starting offensive linemen out together for a single yeah. game because Trevor Penning missed 12 first 12 games. Uh, Eric McCoy missed 10 through 15. And then week 16, Cesar Ruiz, their starting uh, right guard, went on injured reserve. And so they never got their starting five offensive linemen out there. So I think if you get Trevor Penning back and ready to go, which is the expectation going into camp, you've got a lot of these offensive linemen that are coming off of injuries. Him, starting left guard, Andrews Peach, starting right guard in um, Cesar Ruiz. And then, of course, Ryan Ramchek, who's dealing with like degenerative knee issues and sometimes has some back stuff, things like that. He's always... You know, the he always is kind of the light work guy or the limited practice guy on Wednesdays. Like he's at that point in his career. And so I think if you can get all those guys healthy and out on the field, you're good. The question is what happens when one of them goes down? Because you're going to have to play at least one game without an offensive lineman in the NFL. It's going to happen. It's a tough position to play. Uh, I think that they are a little bit more built out in terms of their depth this year than they have been in recent past. They kind of had to rebuild that after the 2020 salary cap dip that took place across the NFL. And so I think they're in a good place, but there's a lot of question marks there in terms of their ability to stay on the field. And again, they never got those five guys out on the field together in 2022. So what do they even look like together? They won't be able to answer that until they get out on the field in 2023. How do you think this defense is going to be? I do think it has the potential to still be a top flight pass defense. The run defense, which dropped down to 24th in the NFL last year and then had a mass exodus. They lost three yep. of their interior defensive linemen. They lost, uh, you know, the four, you, you mentioned not being afraid to trade up in the first rounds. Probably one of the worst decisions that they made was trading a future first round pick to move up for Marcus Davenport when Lamar Jackson was on the board, especially looking at the quarterback situation as of yep. late. Uh, I think hindsight's 2020, right? Uh, but, you know, he's now in Minnesota getting paid $14 million for some reason. And so I think you look at the New Orleans Saints who use this opportunity to really revamp their defensive line. You just have to wait to see if it's successful. They brought in a great, you know, run plugger in, in Colin Saunders, uh, an athletic pass rusher and Nathan Shepard on the interior. They drafted Brian Brzee, another athletic pass rusher, but coming in as a rookie this year on the interior. They had Isaiah Foskey on the edge out of Notre Dame as a rookie this year in the second round. Now, what do they all look like together? So it's going to be a big piece, but I do think that this should still be a team that is more productive in the passing game and continues to be one that can limit and match up with some of the best wide receiver cores or pass catching cores out there and should finish the season with more than seven interceptions like they did last year should be a big bounce back year for that in that area of the game. So what you're telling me is uh, play Derrick Henry in DFS in week one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. that's a very yeah, fair yeah, assessment. Yeah. And for those um, of you that couldn't get Derrick Henry but did get your hands on Tajay Spears, maybe worth a flex. Maybe yeah. worth a roll. <laughs> yeah, it might, might be some growing pains. You know, Brian Brissett, I'm down here in Greenville, South Carolina. He's a Clemson boy, um, yep. much beloved down here, but might take him. He's had some injuries. It might take him some time yep. to, to really acclimate to the NFL. Ross, it's been great talking to you. Now, one of the things I've been doing uh, – uh, it's the one thing I've been doing, quite frankly, <laughs> has been asking all my guests, a lower end player on the 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 roster, this being the Saints, who might be able to contribute for fantasy uh, in 2023. Do you have somebody in mind? Yeah, I, I have like a, a, a sleeper or lesser discussed player. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily frame him as like lower lower end player or anything like that. But mm -hmm. he, he would be there. Their starting tight end just doesn't get a lot of love because his name's not really out there. And it's starting tight end Jawan Johnson. Uh, this is a guy who had you know seven touchdowns last year, over 500 receiving yards. And he is a big time receiving threat. He's probably one of the best yards after catch threats, actually, for the New Orleans Saints on their team because of what he can do. He is that 
quintessential big bodied athletic tight end pass catcher that is you know the cliche too big for the safeties too fast for the linebackers like that's that's 100 who he is and he's a converted wide receiver so he's got very reliable hands as well he and uh, andy dalton had a really good connection last year that's about the only good connection that andy dalton had here with the exception of chris olave who's kind of a default guy who's going to succeed with anybody but Derek carr who loves his tight ends he goes from having darren waller and foster moreau to having juan johnson and foster moreau and if he if he looks at those receivers or those pass catching options on the interior um you know as viably as he looked at the ones in in las vegas slash oakland it's not to say that juan johnson's going to become a darren waller but there's some of that opportunity there to be had because of Derek carr's familiarity with utilizing his tight end so i, I would absolutely say that juan johnson's worth an opportunity in yeah. terms of being a guy that can come in and produce maybe more or uh, more loudly than maybe his name is often spoken. Um, reminder that Darren Waller is also a converted wide receiver who just right. Didn't, right who did not have success at the position and then yep. you know went the position change and then had a lot of success. I've drafted a lot of Juwan Johnson. I've drafted a ton of Rashid Shahid. This actually Great is one works. of my most drafted teams so far because of the value. The New Orleans Saints have a lot of interesting players going off in the double digit rounds and it was great to have Ross Jackson tell us about them. He is the host of the Locked On Saints podcast. By the way, Ross, highly recommended from Reddit. And, and I oh. said, if Reddit likes you, you're doing something right. Cause Reddit hates oh, that's everything. awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, like, so like literally I'll go on, you know, when I'm scheduling 32 of these, I'll be like, you know, it's always good to have somebody who knows how to be in front of a microphone and mm -hmm. the jury's still out on whether if I'm good enough at that, but I think um, you're fine. <laughs> Reddit, Reddit, like, what are your favorite Saints podcasts? Oh, Ross does a great job. And obviously, you know, they're throwing out Nick Underhill as well. But like you, you've 100%. been fantastic on the podcast. I'd love having you on. Um, it's been great talking to you. Um, oh, you know, one more thing I do want to ask, because I asked yeah, everybody buddy. in the NFC South about this, because mm -hmm. it's such a weird division. Is there optimism? with the saints fan base like think thinking this is divisions there for the taking yeah i think so i mean like the i, I mentioned on my show not too long ago that uh, this division is just whack like it's the only word i can yeah. think of it's just a whack division and and i think that there is a lot of optimism amongst new orleans saints fans this new orleans saints team should have been better last year but was just really anemic on the offensive side that new orleans saints defense didn't allow more than 20 points over the course of the last eight games if you can't win six of those something's wrong Something's really, really wrong on the offensive side of the football, and that's exactly what happened to them last year. And I don't think that they should be that level of just, you know, uh, anemic and 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 not able to uh, to execute uh, in 2023 with their new setup and with the new quarterback and all these other things. So yeah, there's a lot of optimism, especially because of the division, the quarterbacks in the division and the quarterbacks within the conference too. It's not a very quarterback heavy conference, the NFC until we see with who the young guys are. Uh, but yeah, so I do think that there is a lot of uh, optimism in this New Orleans Saints fan base this year. You can you can follow him on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola. Follow his work at Saints News at SI's Fan Nation and of course the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross, thank you so much for joining me and thanks everybody for listening to another edition of the Franchise Focus Podcast. We'll catch everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.